Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 42, the Elio Di Silvestro episode. Chucks is looking at me with a blank face, so obviously... Yeah, you've lost me. Talking about. You've lost <laughs> me. Hey, youth keeper? Youth left left back, I believe. Left back. Back, back. Okay. Yeah, I think this is the first time you just made a, a name up. I'm, I'm gonna call it. I think this is the first time you just made no, a no. person. He's off. definitely no. I definitely remember him. I just don't didn't remember where he played. Was that like your high school buddy or something? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my my boy Elio. Elio Di Silvestro, I believe, still playing uh, professionally somewhere in G, So good on good on him. Anyways, this week we are in the international break blues. I guess, thankfully for us, it's been a rather quiet international break in terms of Juventus-related things outside of transfer speculation. Because when there's an international break, the newspapers outside of when Italy plays need something to talk about. So before we get to the speculation, let me bring in the usual crew here of Sam Lepressi. Hello, Sam. Greetings, Danny. We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, good evening. And you know, it's funny with the with the shirt numbers and stuff. I swear, ne- next episode, you might as well say, uh, yeah, episode number 43, we've got uh, Captain America. <laughs> and we'll, I'll, I'll believe it. I'll believe it. Captain America probably played for Juventus once upon a why, time. So. Why are you taking my my surprises away from me, Chucks? Hey, man, it's keeping you on your toes, man. <laughs> Last but not least, Sergio. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas, happy to be here. International break and whatnot, but still, always, always good to pod with you guys. But you, your international break was filled with a New Mexico kit. So what were your thoughts on the New Mexico kit, Sergio? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm split. I don't know. I, like, I wake up one day and I like it, and then the next day I think it's kind of crappy. Like, I don't know. I'm going to have to see it, like, in person, and, and then I'll decide whether or not to impulse buy it. <laughs> impulse buy it yes it seems like a, a very contemplative impulse buy i don't know if that's does that qualify i'm not sure that's an oxymoron <laughs> right there <laughs> <laughs> all right well as we mentioned it is an international international break say that three times fast so there's a whole lot of non on field talk to discuss and a lot of it for juventus has centered around a certain guy who wears the number 10 who hasn't played in two months so 
that is where we are going to start this week. So as I made my thoughts known about the whole situation a few days back, I won't ramble on, but it's obviously a very tenuous kind of situation, a very uncertain situation for Dybala's future. And just want to get your thoughts first. Let's go Sergio, since he is the Dybala train conductor on this blog. Your thoughts on everything that's surrounding Paulo Dybala these days. Yeah, yeah, I, I consider myself one of the the, the foremost Dybala stands in, in the in in our little community in a little corner of the Juventus world. But you know, yeah, it's it's not great. It's not the best thing ever, to be honest. I, you know, it, it's so weird because out of all the things that have happened this season, and there's been a lot of things that have happened this season, we the fact that Dybala has played very little and that when he played he was either ineffective or out of form or you know whatever you you want to call it you know we kind of forget that Juventus has been for the most part for the most like yeah for the most part of the season just without the MVP of the the whole damn league like I mean we just kind of forgot about it and we just kind of decided to move along without him and just kind of periodically remember that oh yeah like he actually won the MVP of the league last year but he's just kind of been absent pretty much the entire like pretty much whole the whole 2020 I'm pretty sure and you know we saw him rather sporadically in 2021 I mean and we saw him rather sporadically in 2020 so you know I I think there's been recently a bit more i've seen more like tweets and comments about that you know that we might have underestimated his actual you know presence his actual impact on the team and and i agree i think losing a guy like him even at his worst he's still the type of player that can change a game you know with one touch with one pass with one shot and and we saw him you know when he was actually starting to to play a little better and we were starting to get in in form and shape in that, I guess he did play in 2021. Now that I'm thinking about it in that Milan game, right? Like he was key in that game. He had the two assists for the Chiesa goals. And like, he was finally starting to kind of like become a real factor. And then he got that mysterious injury that has been, you know, on and off. I mean, we've been hearing about him coming back all this time, like every other week, it seems like. And, and now Juventus has painted themselves into a corner in which, what do you do? Do you sell low on your number 10, on your, you know, anointed face of the team? Do you sell low on him coming off his worst season as a pro pretty much? Or do you give him that, you know, reportedly probably exaggerated race he wants to renew the contract? Like they really put themselves in kind of like an untenable situation. And, and yeah, it's one of those things that it, Definitely the Juventus board has to bear some blame, but it's just been the circumstances, it's just been COVID, it's just been so many things that that put them like put Juventus and put Dybala and put everyone in this just really, really crappy position to be in. And you know, I just hope both as a fan and both just thinking logically, I hope they don't they don't end up selling low on him, they don't end up, you know, letting him go for for nothing to some, you know, Premier League team or whatever. But, you know, who knows? I mean, the first and foremost, he has to come back on the pitch and we still don't really know for sure when that's going to happen. Yeah, it's such a strange, strange situation. It's because on one hand, it's like, uh, I remember I'd mentioned that in the, in the Slack channel uh, that we have, you know, where I, where I was thinking like, wait, how long have negotiations been going on for, you know? And I mean, I guess to make kind of over a year that, negotiations for his yep. uh ext- yeah it, right it yeah all, like it, it all started around uh the beginning of march last year so right before everything shut down yeah yeah which is it's weird because yeah and that's an interesting timing as well because basically before everything shut down so there's no football happening and obviously i mean there's terrible things going on in the world so you know not that everything's fun and well but you know there's no football going on so you would think that they would have all the time and no pressure to just sit down and negotiate or I guess over zoom <laughs> to negotiate over a new contract. So there's clearly no lack of time. I mean, and there was a, well, okay, no, the summer over the summer, they played the season, but basically, yeah, they've had a, over a year to negotiate and still we're at a stillmate. You know, that tells me something like that tells me that 
I mean, surely both sides in all this time have tried everything. Like, you know, I imagine negotiation going like, okay, Juventus puts in an offer, you know, Dybala and his agent consider it, put in a counter offer, Juventus consider it, you know, then they say, okay, yes, no, maybe on this and that, but we don't quite like these positions. And, you know, you go, you go back and forth, back and forth so that at least each side has like what two three opportunities to put in uh their positions or their their what they want to offer which you know i imagine shouldn't take longer than a year so the fact that it has taken this long really tells me that something's up and i want to believe that both sides have done everything they could to be reasonable because i mean dibala and juventus in general as far as i know they haven't ever had any kind of ill will or any kind of beef or any like you know any kind of really markedly negative uh issues together i think it's the relationship between dibala and juventus from what i know has just been normal i mean just as with any other you know as with again from what i know um, i haven't read anything truly serious over the years that dibala has been here so you know that makes me wonder okay what what's up like you know what like what could be the problem if if there's no negative kind of ill ill will between the parties and if they've had presumably the time to both put out all all the positions all all the things that they're looking for then to me it just says that the two just don't agree like Juventus and Dybala just don't agree on you know well obviously on the contract but on like their relationship together and um, it does remind me I read uh like over a year ago or so, I read uh, these two books on negotiation, uh, which are really, really great books. One of them was um, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Uh, he's a former FBI ne- hostage hostage negotiator. Really, really good book. And getting Paulo Dybala yes. is a hostage. <laughs> well, well, we're all hostages because we work for the man. <laughs> that's why we work for the man. Capitalism, that's why. I can edit that out if you like. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was that one and then getting to yes by I think Roger Fisher. But basically, you know, the 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 one point that these two books that these two authors made uh, in their books like in negotiation uh, you have to de- defer between or differentiate between negotiating on interests and negotiation negotiating on uh, positions. Like I think okay from what I remember a position was just like kind of the smaller picture thing but like an interest was like the bigger picture like so you know for instance you could negotiate on a raise of X percent, but then your position could really be, well, I want a raise of X percent because I want to feel more valued or more important in a team, or I want the team be, to be built around me. Um, and therefore I want, you know, I want to be top dog. And then the way to signal that is by having the highest salary, like, you know, just kind of a random example. So I really wonder what primarily Dybala, but also Juventus, what their kind of big picture position is like, what does Dybala want? Does he want, I mean, obviously we'll never know, but I wonder if he wants the team to be built around him or if he wants to be the top earner or if he wants certain tactics to be played because, I mean, he's always played in, he's played with, what is it? Three different coaches now. Yeah, three different coaches. Um, with Allegri, um, Birlo and Sari. So, I mean, he's, you know, played in four two three ones, four four twos, three five two, three four three. I mean, he's played, Seconda Punta, he's played false nine, he's played on the right wing, sort of like he's played a whole host of positions throughout his time. So maybe, I mean, I don't know, I'm totally just speculating here, but maybe there's something with that as well. Maybe he wants to, you know, say, okay, I want kind of just one position to play, which I wouldn't blame him. I mean, he's, you know, he's been tossed around all over the field. So basically, a bit of a long winded answer there, but I just wonder what the bigger picture positions of both Juventus and Dybala are and and you know wonder kind of why they can't agree on that because it can't be just money surely it can't I mean negotiating it over a year for just of course money, it I mean, can I mean but negotiating of course that long can, for just no. money I, I don't know I mean that's yeah I don't know to me uh, yeah I don't know I, that that's the thing though and when it comes to contract negotiations like this of course it can be just about money and you know, I personally feel like this probably wouldn't be have been that much of a thing had lockdown not had to happen, had COVID not been a thing. I don't think we would have had very many problems with this, especially given the season Dybala had last year, which, by the way, was a message 
season for him when he came back after refusing to leave the team after Fabio Paratici had two separate deals supposedly lined up to send him off to England to either Manchester United or Tottenham. And he said, no, I'm staying at Juventus. And, you know, he scored that goal, that first goal of hit that he scored in that, in a, in a friend, in the friendly and pointed to the back of his own shirt and said, yeah, this is me. I'm here. I, I truly think that he very much loves this club and does not want, and wants to be a part of it. It, it, I think it is, this is a question of, does Juventus have the money that he wants in a post COVID economy? And the answer to that is probably no right now, you know, and it goes on and and it's, it's so it's, it's frustrating to me just looking at, at the situation that we're going to be looking at in the summer. You know, a couple of us have touched on this before. Like you take, you know, who you're two, you're two big attackers. You're either getting rid of Ronaldo or you're getting rid of Dybala this summer to raise funds. If you're still going to go with this idea of have a coach that does a more modern passing focused, pressing focused kind of system, Dybala is the one you want to keep because he's the one that fits that better. Now, Obviously, there are prob- there's a lot of underlying stuff. We still don't have a f- definitive word on whether or not Ronaldo is going to stay on the team next year, even though the, uh, the front office has been very, very loudly insisting that he will be, which says to me that there's a little bit of, of, of panic in that, re- in, in that circle. I just, I don't, I don't want to see him go. And part of that is sentimentality. Part of that is I think he is the better building block for the future, for, for the future, unless you scrap yet another project after only one season and decide to just completely throw your, your chips on a year of Ronaldo on, you know, a year of Ronaldo. But it doesn't seem to me like, it doesn't seem to me like that's a good idea first off. Cause you know, Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be 38 by the end of this, by the end of next season. And, and Dybala has, Dybala has represented this club. He has fought for this club. He has fought to stay at this club. You know, he, he went out in the Lyon game in August, clearly not a hundred percent and just tried to do something. And of course he couldn't, his leg gave out again, but like, that's the kind of, that's the kind of devotion to the club we're talking about. I just, it, it would be a real shame to me if he was the person to leave coming out of this whole situation. I think Sam here make, makes a key point, And that is, you know, when, and, and Chuck's also alluded to it, right? Like how long this has been going and when it started, because if, if you see it from after the, the, you know, Sarri season, COVID, you know, kind of the first weird COVID season. He was like, like I've been saying, he was the MVP of the league. He played fantastically. He showed that he can play with Ronaldo. He fought to stay in the club. Like he did, like, like Sam said, like he did, like he put his body on the line in that Leon matchup. You know, there's not a lot more that you could ask from him. There's not a lot more you could ask from your number 10, from your, you know, face of the club or, or whatever you want to call it. And if after that season, Dybala is asking, like, listen, I want, I think the reported thing is like 15 million euros, I think, or something like that, or, or 12 or 13. Like, I don't know the number, but I want this amount of money. It's like, you know, well, how, like, yeah, you deserved it. You played for it. You definitely deserve it. But now it's, it's the COVID thing. Now they're running short of funds. Now he's been gone the entire season. And I think that's what, that's what the thing is. Like, okay, you know, we didn't close it at his peak now are we going to close are we going to give him that money now you know one year after his peak one a year that was a complete wash for him a year where he was pretty much a non-factor are we willing to do that and and i think that that does you know it takes into account a lot of things that sam was saying that are much more you know 
I, I don't know if emotional, esoteric or whatnot at that. He is your number 10. He fought to stay in the, in the club. He clearly loves the club. He has sacrificed for the team. Do you reward that by actually giving him what he wants despite not coming off his best season, despite coming off a season in which he had a weird injury that kind of wasn't that much big of a deal, but still kept him away for like four months? Do you take that shot? Do you take that risk? as a kind of reward for that? Is that the club you still are? Or are we just no longer that club and just look at Dybala as an asset and see like this dude is, you know, he's very talented. He's one of our better players. If we have to sell a guy, he could give us the most amount of money. So we're just going to sell him, period. And, and that's what we're going to do. And if that's what they decide, that's fine. But well, I wouldn't like it, but that's fine. But then let's call it as, let's call Juve is paid a spade and let's just say we're no longer like we're no longer allowed to make the whole oh lo stilo Juve and like our coaches don't like wear suits and all that like we're no longer that okay like we're just no longer that we're just another club we we play by the same rules we just sell players the, the number 10 shirt means nothing like let's just let's just call it what it is and if that's what we want to be to you know, go wherever we want to go as an organization or as a team or as a club or whatever, then let's do that. Then that's fine. But then let's not pretend that we're still somehow a classy run organization and all that type of stuff that we love to tell about. Like we love to talk about ourselves because you're just not. If you just treat your number 10 player like your face of the franchise, the dude who put his body on the line for the club and you just sell him at the first bad season he has, then you're just no longer that. And and that's fine. But let's just acknowledge that then. I gave up that romanticism uh, when we bought Ronaldo, honestly. <laughs> um, I, uh, I accepted our fate as a uh, brand. Ugh, I hate that word. Um, as a brand. Um, I, I think it was the logo guy. change for me. It, it was the logo change for me. That's what like, oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah, putting yeah, this true. in towels and stuff. Like we're yeah, like, okay, yeah. cool. That's who that's we are true. now. Yeah, that's true. By the way, you can get your Juventus bath towels at the J store. <laughs> we have a J hotel. Like what? Like what's up with that? Like let's look, come on. Like we're a brand. We're a hey, brand it, now, and that's fine. But let's stop. Let's stop making a big deal because our coach doesn't wear a suit. Like like whatever, man. We're a brand now. Like that doesn't matter. You, you poke fun at the J hotel, but it's coming handy for when the club has to go in isolation. True. I'm sure that's what they were. They wanted. They wanted the J Hotel to be used for. I'm sure they'll do the J Hotel bundle it like uh, like Amazon does. Bundle it with everything, so you can get your J Hotel and your J uh, TV and your uh, J bath towels all for a handy little fee of nine hundred and ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents a month. But uh, no, no, I hope not. Uh, if not, if we go to Path of Amazon, I'll just. I'll... Uh, be damned be damned at all if we go to path of amazon but to bring to bring it back to the back Ibala, on topic trucks yeah i know i always go i always go on tangents you know that by now <laughs> um, but yeah it is weird with dibala i mean I, I don't know because on one hand i i feel like Juventus doesn't really want to sell dibala because i mean they've they opened negotiations for you know contract extension so they said okay hey we want to extend your contract we want you to continue to be here and then you know obviously again both parties come to the table you know we explain each other's positions and then yeah now we've come to this point where they just aren't able to agree so i i mean i, I just don't feel like i think if Juve really wanted to sell dibala they i don't feel like they would have started contract would have started negotiations for an extension at all but um i don't know i mean i might be wrong on that i that's just kind of my gut feeling on that but um i also feel like a lot of juventus fans and myself included to an extent um are just kind of frustrated with dibala the player that is for me the main frustration was that final against uh um uh what's called real madrid uh in which he did get a red card then yeah he did get i'm saying no that sorry. was in the quarterfinals the next year oh wait sorry quarterfinals. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, was, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that was in the, the final. The it was nil. when sorry. in the final it was when Sergio Ramos punked the referee into yeah, the quadrado yeah. had gotten the. Sorry, but it was in the final where he played poorly. That I remember that where he just like 
really underperformed. And then, yeah, I always mix up the two. So though. did everybody. But... Well, of yeah, they did lose 4-1, so pretty much everyone on their performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But shout I think out it's... though. But, you know, <laughs> outside of him, pretty much everyone did. But I think everyone always expected Dybala to be like, you know, there was always the hype on Dybala being like, you know, the one above all kind of player. And it's just, I mean, it's coming, it's coming, you know, flashes. Obviously he had the MVP season, which granted, I mean, I didn't really agree with the MVP award, honestly. I, I, I didn't think he, I mean, I thought it was good last season, but I mean, I don't, I mean, I thought he was above average, like definitely very good, but I, I, thought best of the, of the league throughout the season i thought that was a flattering to say the least but but i mean to me i've just always had kind of lingering frustrations with him like okay if you're really supposed to be you know the one like standout player you know just in some games he just i mean yeah the, just the real madrid games uh, the two games frustrated me immensely um because i feel it's just there are higher expectations on him than on other people because it's like you know he is supposed to be the one he's you know the number 10 that we build around the team which again we haven't and in his defense we haven't actually built around him um really built a squad around him which i think is a real failure of the management and yeah you know, I, was, I, was, a squad I don't around mean to interrupt Chucks, but i was about to yeah. say have they really truly built a squad around him since he's obviously had those first couple of years where he was really really good yeah, yeah, and that's I mean, a failure. You, you, you look at you look at the last year with Allegri. The the biggest thing was he was out on the right. He was on playing out of position. He was basically forced to be a winger when he's obviously not a winger. And then obviously with Saudi, it was a, a slow build up to him really finding form. And then he was playing very well. The shutdown happened, and then he was really good after the restart. And then this year is kind of like okay. He's got injury rehab. He is, he's coming back. He was slowly introduced. And then he was finally kind of slowly rounding into form. And then knee injury happens. And now he's been out for two months. So, you know, as much as we, we say he's potential face of the team or the club, the team has never truly been built around him and his talents, I think. And I think what Danny's saying is, is massive because – we, we like we forget he, he came in in that I believe 15 15 season 15 16 season and then immediately after which he was great he was clearly like a breakout type of type of performance for him in his first season as a Juve player and then the next season they bring in Iwain another dude who like immediately kind of forces him to change his type of, of play change the way he plays and then when he finally seems to figure out how to play with Iwain then they bring in Ronaldo another dude who you have to kind of like blow everything up to kind of fit him in and he has to adapt again. So I think that's another thing that, you know, kind of sometimes it's under discussed with him that, that he has had to, to change a lot and to, you know, to kind of like be very adaptable and more or less, give or take, he has been pretty successful in every single season outside of this one uh, for all the reasons we already discussed, but even with all those changes, even with all that, you know, adaptability, if you will, he's still been able to perform and he still has been able to put numbers. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's something that that's kind of like under underrated about him and his Juve career. The, yeah. And again, the one thing to, you know, to the Ballas credit is that he has adapted very well just to the constant changes tactically around the team. But, and that's why I, what I mentioned earlier is I wonder if one of the sticking points in negotiation for Dybala is like, Hey, I want a team built around me basically or just at least a team that isn't going to change tactically significantly like every year or every year and a half you know which i think would be a fair demand i mean if i were him you know uh if if there is this expectation of him being you know the number 10 and the standout player obviously next to ronaldo but being just having this above average expectations of him then i will say i mean i think he has the right to make a demand of like you know, tactically, like, hey, I want a squad that's going to be somewhat built to me and or Ronaldo and or Chiesa. So, um, but yeah, sorry for jumping in there. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I I do think that it, what, what you were saying, Sergio, I think points to the, the weakness of the, the weakness of the front office in in really kind of reaching for whatever they you know starting with Iguain and you know Iguain wasn't exactly the the most you know that wasn't exactly a particularly disruptive acquisition it, tactically and certainly not as much as Ronaldo but like you said, you know, here's, here's Dybala having, he had two fantastic, he had two, one really good year, one, and then, you know, in comes Iguain. he's a, the, you know, here's, he's your alleged missing piece and Dybala and Iguain dovetailed pretty well together, but you're not giving this guy who had been one of the bigger attacking purchases Juventus had made in years at that point you're not giving him what you he really needed to succeed and become that face of the team. He's just had to adapt over and over again to whatever Andrea Agnelli and the rest of the front office kind of thought was the missing piece for the Champions League that year. You know, because the, the Champions League did become very much, has I think very much become the obsession. We're all, you know, we all talk about it. And I, and, and, you know, I talk a lot about, you know, Beppe Marotta and, and the club moving away from him in that same summer that we signed Ronaldo as, as really a, a turning point for, for the dynasty and, and where it allowed teams to get back in, uh, in Serie A. You know, now I'm starting, but, you know, looking at, on that and I'm starting to wonder if it was even a little bit earlier than that, that, that people above Marotta were starting to try to push him into doing things that he might not have really wanted to do because it clearly having him, you know, having him building a really competitive team at your biggest rival was a bad idea. And it just, it, it makes you wonder, you know, Chuck's you're, you're always talking about, you know, what is, you know, what's the plan? Where's the plan? And I, it's it's starting to look further and further like they are re- they at least in terms of you know your premier acquisition every year they are just trying to like you know you know I always make the the joke about Florentino Perez at Real Madrid he looks he goes ooh shiny and he buys it you know like James Rodriguez at the World Cup in 2014 ooh shiny uh, you know Gareth Bale ooh shiny and you know. You know, when you look at, you know, Iguain at Ronaldo, Delict a little bit less so because the the center back course certainly needed an injection of youth at that point. But I think that the team has really lost its lost its way I in in that respect, in terms of planning for the long term. You know, maybe and and part of that I think is that we were a victim of our own success because, you know, no one was expecting. Conte's first year to be the year we won the Scudetto again. They were just hoping that we'd make the Champions League, you know. It and you know, all of a sudden here we are winning, you know, not only winning undefeated, but then the next year just, you know, starting this utter dominance. And they tried to accelerate the process before it was really done. And 
that's never a good idea. That's never a good thing. So I, I just, I'm, I'm hoping that the team starts getting, this is why I always talk about not wanting Pirlo to go too, because I, I really hope I'm hoping that the team starts to buckle down and realize that they have to, you know, do something a little bit longer term now, because, you know, now that this cycle is at an end, they have to actually build again, instead of just trying to slather on whatever paint or spackle or whatever they think will fill, will fill a hole enough to get them somewhere in in Europe, this has got to be this has got to be done the right way, and and if that means, you know, a year or two of you know second, third, fourth place finishes and 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 enduring a little bit of pain, then so be it. But you've got to do this quick because otherwise, Milan and Inter, what they did, what they've done the last decade, is front and center the warning for what we for what happens when you do what we look like we've been starting to do for the last couple of years. And that's not something that we want to say. Uh, I, I will add this before we get to the Twitter questions. And it's, it's obviously something I mentioned in, in my post where it, it, there just doesn't seem to be a middle ground when it comes to Dybala. It's either contract extension or he's leaving. Cause it's just, you know, not only does he not deserve a, a, another year of just this complete uncertainty regarding his contract extension, but obviously Juventus and the financial climate there, and they can't afford to have him leave or potentially leave for next to nothing or nothing. And then, you know, the, the potential money in the COVID era that could be as a result. And I know some, some members of the Italian press who cover Juve have mentioned maybe DiBaldo is part of a Pianich like swap deal where, both you know the the books look good and then you get a player in return but i mean just what if if you had to bet i mean do you think he's gone do you think he's staying i mean it's just it's it's either or at this point it's not like okay we can see him staying but you know there's still the contract to be solved it's i really can't there's only two true outcomes here for me and it's either door number one or door number two i think the the logic part of me thinks that he's going to be gone because when you look at this roster, just, just from a standpoint of, you know, forget who plays well, forget who's good, forget who's bad, just, just, you know, clinically just cold, cold hearted, like, and you just look at this roster and, and you, you see who, like, who's a valuable asset. You really have two three players that could really move the needle when it comes to, to, you know, to, to getting transferred out. And that's, that's uh, Ronaldo, that's the Licht, and that's Dybala. Uh, the Licht is untouchable. Ronaldo, if you believe what, what, the, what the public opinion is, at least coming from Juventus, is that he's untouchable as well. Just logically, then that leaves you with Dybala. And, you know, if that's the, the plan, I don't think that is the correct choice. I, I think that would be selling low on one of your best players. And maybe if it's a quote-unquote financial doping move like the, like they did with Pjanic and Arthur, maybe that makes a little bit more sense than just outright selling him for like 30 or 40 million euros. But, you know, that's, I mean, that, that's just going to be sad. That's just going to suck. That's just going to mean that they're, they're stuck with the Ronaldo plan and they're going to see it through. That has some sort of merit, I guess. But, you know, I, I just don't, it, it wouldn't feel right to me to just let go of a dude who's in his 20s, who's in his prime, who had a you know bad season of luck to build around and to kind of put all your chips in on a dude who's going to be 38 and, and who, you know, I mean, I know he's Ronaldo. I know he's one of the better, best players to ever do it. But it still doesn't seem to me like the, the, like the most sustainable move of them all to, to kind of like just do the, do the Ronaldo thing and yet another year. Like it just doesn't seem to make sense to me with the roster they have, with the coach they have, with, it just doesn't make sense. But if they're just married into the idea and they're just going to see it through no matter what, then we can pretty much, we can pretty much kiss Dybala goodbye because I, I, I just don't see another player who could possibly have the same value as Dybala does. Yeah. I unfortunately agree with you. I, 
you know, I'm it, which is hilarious because anything that we manage to, you know, unless we do a, a pianist swap of some kind, and even then, like, you know, given the f- current financial climate, sell Dybala and that basically funds like almost the last year of Ronaldo's contract. <laughs> like, like, and, and that's why when it comes to the, you know, Ronaldo, sell Ronaldo, sell Dybala, th- you know, thing from a financial standpoint, I just look at it and, and go that, you know, I, I, to me, it's a no brainer that you have to try to offload Ronaldo because, you know, you can sell Dybala. How much of that money are you really going to end up being able to use to make meaningful additions to the club around Ronaldo? Not nearly as much as if you could, as if you had gotten, you know, whatever transfer fee you managed to get for Ronaldo, plus getting all his wages off the books, that would have a far more positive impact on any sort of potential transfer war chest and being able to make moves in the future. But I think you're right, Sergio, if they, you know, unless they're just blowing too much, unless they are blowing so much smoke over this to try to, you know, to give themselves some sort of negotiating power when trying to find a partner for a Ronaldo exit next year. I think that we probably have seen the last year of of Dybala being on the team. And that is a really, 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 it, it, it sucks because he deserves a lot more than that. And it also, I think, will affect the the roster construction going forward and whether or not we'll actually be able to be better next year. Which, which don't discount it by the way, as, as Chucks was alluding to it earlier, or, you know, master negotiator Chucks, like you, you can't go out and say, Oh, we're definitely selling him. Like, obviously like you lose all sort of, you know, uh, leverage. So like you said, like it, it very well might be a, a front facing thing to, to say that no, we're definitely staying with Ronaldo. We're definitely not selling him, and, and do all of that lip service to kind of like not lose leverage. That could definitely be the case, but I I don't know. They they just seem very much uh very much kind of like married to the to the Ronaldo experiment. And given that if things break right next year, they finally might be able to return to welcome fans back to the to the Allianz stadium, maybe they like, they finally do see some sort of returns of the whole Ronaldo experiment. Right. So maybe, maybe they they're looking forward to that, but it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. There's also the uh, wildcard option, which is uh, door number three. And that's pulling a Lewandowski, which is to let him run out his contract and leave for free. That's not going to happen. I mean, I said it was a wild card. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be that'd be the bow on the you know present of incompetence and just sheer buffoonery if, if they did that like just let him go for free I mean that that would that would suck but then again at this point you with Juventus you can't can't count anything out I guess well isn't that isn't that the move that allowed Mario Mandzukic to go to Atletico Madrid and then subsequently Juventus so yeah, it is yes it is a wild card. Yeah. Well, what say you, master negotiator? I mean, I say play a dice and uh, hope for uh, double sixes. That's all I can say. <laughs> no, I have no idea. I generally, who knows? <laughs> True. I'm just some guy. You're just some guy on the internet. Yep, I really yeah. am. <laughs> all right. Well, let's fire up a couple of Twitter questions here. Sticking with some transfer stuff. First from a friend of the podcast at Bocci Sabi does Manuel Locatelli's goal against Bulgaria earlier today mean that his transfer tag is going to go up to 50 million dollars hope not because I really want him on the team and I want that to be as easy as possible on the clearly he clearly that goal today did show you just how good he is and it's actually I I found it interesting because I was watching that game and Italy didn't have a whole ton of really clear cut chances over the first two thirds of that game, that qualifier against Bulgaria. And when Locatelli came on, they were, 
they they carved out a few a lot more there were a lot more really really good chances leading up to that goal uh Chiro Immobile bottled a couple of them because when Chiro Immobile puts on the Italian shade of blue he turns into a freaking pumpkin and doesn't do anything rant over but it there was a there was a distinct uptick in it in Italy as an attacking force uh, in that game once Locatelli made it onto the pitch. And I don't think it's a coincidence. And he has so many skills that in this team right now for Juventus, no one has. And, you know, if, if you need something to tie up this midfield and all of a sudden make it a midfield that can actually work together as a unit, as opposed to just a bunch of guys who do the same thing really well, he is the guy that you need. And, you know, if that means, you know, I, I'm usually very loath to use the youth system as, you know, the make weights and the, and, and stuff. And I really, really like Nicola Fagioli. If, if getting Locatelli means parting ways with Fagioli, it would suck, but also I could take it, especially because Locatelli himself is only 23. Like this, this is another thing. Locatelli is still a very young player. He's been in the in the in the eye for a really long time because he started very very young, coming out of AC Milan's academy. I remember, I, I bring these times up when I was at Bleacher Report a lot, but he did come up that uh, during the years that I was covering Milan, and I kept on saying, "Why aren't they playing him more?" And you know that he, and. You know, I and you remember a couple of years ago that screamer of a shot that he had against Juve to win that game at the San Siro. I remember that specifically. That was, you know, at the time Milan was terribly managed and they they let him go for for practically nothing. And he's built himself into one of the most desirable Italian midfielders out there desirable midfielders period out there because it's not just Italian teams that are looking at him. You know, that's the thing that's worrying me is like the names like Manchester city start coming out and they'll be able to, and they'll be able to make any deal that they kind of want regardless of COVID because they have the crazy oil money. That said, Juve's relationship with Sassuolo is excellent. And it always has been ever since Sassuolo got into Serie A. So from that standpoint, I think that could, you know, certainly help. And also depends a lot on where Locatelli wants to go. But I think if any, any transfer strategy for the summer has to start with him. And, you know, and if you can manage to by some miracle, do that and Hussein Awar in the same summer, because he started popping back into the news connected to Juve in this last week as well, because Mattia De Chilio apparently really likes it in Lyon and wants to stay. And some people are saying, Hey, what if we, uh, 10 million, and coming back we, to pay what, dividends. All right. What if we knock 10, what if we knock 10 million off of, uh, off of our war with Dechilio? Um, We'll see, you know, maybe that'll work. Um, but I mean, just, just Locatelli himself would be great. Locatelli and our in one summer. If you can somehow pull that off. Y- yeah. That's a midfield. I'd, you know, that, those two and McKenny, that's a midfield I'd that's a midfield I wouldn't want to play against. Hopefully, whatever negotiations that uh that the team has kind of entered into, which you know, Danny also had a breaking news, uh, you know, had a news article about that this coming week, uh, or this past week rather. Uh you know, hopefully those will, you know, that will be closed with speed. And uh, because I, I really think that this game was and and he was only on the field for about 20 minutes, but this game was a microcosm of why Juve need a player like him so much. Yeah, I don't have too much to add. Just, I mean, he's a very necessary player. I think, you know, I haven't actually seen him play live too much, but I've only heard good things about him. So, you know, only, yeah, only heard excellent things about Locatelli. Uh, but I guess the only thing I would mention is um, if we did manage to manage to get him to Juventus, someone would have to leave, surely, because we do have a bit of a bloated central midfield. That, I mean, plus him, we would have quite a bloated central midfield with, uh, oh, well, with all yeah. the rumors that Rabio and Ramsey are both looking like yeah. Premier League candidates. Yeah. 
I imagine Ramsey. I mean, my patience has run out with Ramsey, frankly. My patience uh, was out with Ramsey at the end of last season. So, I- uh, oh man, 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 you're a killer, man, ruthless, man, ruthless. No, I, uh, I mean, I gave him a lot of opportunities, but yeah, my my patience has run out with him. So, I imagine Ramsey would leave. Speaking of salary and making space, you know, that would be uh, something off the wage book. I saw so, another. Yeah. I saw another thing about the midfield today that was a Tuto Sport report that. Bayern Munich are interested in Bentancourt and that Juventus would ask for Leon Goretzka as a swap if wow. they wanted that. You, you gotta like, love you gotta love Tuto Sport during international. Yeah, but ever since but the thing is, ever since Ronaldo happened, it was Tuto Sport that broke that. So now you can't ignore it anymore. No, I know. But still uh, an exception they're... to the norm doesn't disprove them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's still Tuto Sport. It's, I know it's still Tuto style. Sport, but now you have to like now you have to give it like side eye instead of just blowing past it entirely. <laughs> That would be daylight robbery, of course. But, yeah. <laughs> and, but uh, in all seriousness, though, the, I mean, Bentancur was actually the other person I thought, like, hmm, you know, would he? I mean, I imagine he would stay. I mean, again, I imagine Ramsey would leave. Uh, Javier, I would honestly, I would still like Javier to stay. But um, again, we've talked about kind of the redundancy that Rabio and Bentancur have. So I imagine, I don't know, would one of them have to leave? I don't know. Um, but definitely, we would anyway need one central midfielder to leave. And I think highest on that list would you know, surely be Aaron Ramsey. I think we can all agree on the power rankings. Sergio might be adding this to his next grab bag, the power rankings of midfielders who will leave this summer. Yeah, I, I could add it. Number one, Aaron Ramsey. That's that's already, <laughs> I, I can. Number two, can Aaron Ramsey. Number three, Aaron Ramsey. <laughs> no more Kadira though, Sergio, sorry. No, that sucks though. <laughs> I, I'd rather have Kadira than Ramsey, honestly. Like we're being straight up, like... <laughs> Agreed. All right. Shall we, <laughs> shall we do one more question, fellas? Let's do it. Hit, hit me. All right. From another friend of the podcast, David Desberg at the True ROAC, he had a scary thought the other day with his 33rd birthday around the corner. How should Juventus prepare for a life without Johnny Square? Other than Danilo, are there any young fullback options Juve should slash must consider? Damn, that's tough. I... That's really... <laughs> I honestly don't know. That's, Everybody's that's... stumped. All right, good podcast, I, everybody. Well, no, it's it, it's funny because I mean, Danny, you know that you know I, I've had I, I have an article that's currently in the notes phase about about this particular instance about that exact question, um, and it it depends a lot. First off, it depends on you know does Pirlo stay and you have like more of a wing back situation or does Pirlo go and you end up bringing in a, a coach that, you know, might go back to a more traditional fullbacks. That's the first question. Second question is, you know, just, just how untouchable is Quadrado? Because the last time I read a, any lists of the untouchable players, Quadrado wasn't on it. They gave five players. I think it was Delict, Rabio, no, Delict, sorry, Delict, Chiesa, Danilo, Chesney, and McKinney, and McKinney. I think. Um, I I think you know a lot of it will will go down to what tactics are we do we end up using um, in terms of one one particular player. The name Robin Gosens comes to mind. Um, I've mentioned him on the podcast before, especially if Juventus were to stay with a wingback system he would he would really be excellent other than that yeah i mean i mean i always i always yell at fabio paratici over the fact that he seems to think that football can be played without fullbacks but it's also very hard to it's very hard to find the good ones are really hard to find you don't find like really high level tetzini all over the place you know it's it's yeah, it, it, it's really going to be a really interesting question to see what Juve might do on the flanks next year. Because you've got, you know, if you are going to a wing, if you are staying in a wingback system, you've got at least Quadrado and Chiesa who, you know, can play, although both of them are better on the right. Kulusevsky could also figure into that, but again, better on the right. 
if you if you end up with traditional fullbacks, goodness knows how you're going to end up playing it. Because Alexandro also looks like he might be on his way out this year too. Uh, yeah, it's that's that's a really really interesting question, and we're going to have to figure out. You know, we probably won't know until August how it actually ends up going down. Polirola, remember Polirola? Like he could be he could be the guy. He could be the answer as the right flag. Like, I don't even know if he's in Italy anymore. Didn't they sell him to Spain? Yes, Argentina like sell him to Spain. I think they did. He is currently in France. France. Oh, with Marseille. So he he is good for Polirola. He is another one of the Serie A fullbacks who is now making making their 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 paychecks in France, like a certain Matteo De Ciglio. And and Alessandro Florenzi. You know the thing about this this question, and the reason I bring Lirola is because I. I'm going to do the same thing that Sam did and just throw out a tease about about the 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 thing I'm working on for next week. Uh, that that's what we do in the business as professionals, you know, to throw a tease out there. But you know, I've been foreshadowing, exactly, because I I've been going through like the the transfer windows of you over the last like four or five years, and the more that we talk about and the more we have this discussion and the more we we listen to what to do is it just becomes so key to just know what the system is going to be to know what your project is going to be because it doesn't matter if you bring in the best right back available that there is if you're going to switch it up and and play with wing backs and then like you have to slot him in as a wing back and it doesn't matter so you know it's just going to be so important to finally just have go into a season just knowing what are we going to do? And then we can start figuring out what to do in, in life after Juan Cuadrado. Because the, the other thing that I noticed is that pretty much, because in order to do this piece, I think like going through old, you know, officially official posts in the site. And it's funny to see how many times Juan Cuadrado has talked about like, oh, Juan Cuadrado is on the outs. Like we're definitely selling Juan Cuadrado. Like Juan Cuadrado has no no place in this team. <laughs> and it's been going on like this for like three or four years. And every single year, not only does he stay, but he ends up being like a pretty good and important player for the team. So he, he's kind of one of those underrated dudes that you don't really think about, but he's already been here for like five years. Like, and he's a huge part of the team. So just shout out Juan Cuadrado. I think he doesn't get the, the respect he he deserves and just not only being a U.S. player for a long time, but being a pretty damn effective player in, in all that time and playing all over the pitch and just being this flexible guy that you can kind of play everywhere. So so good 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 job by Juan Cuadrado. And, and it's going to be a pretty interesting thing to see what they do once once Johnny Square is is gone. And we'll 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 check it out in, in the week in Sam's piece. In basketball, they have, you know, you get, you hear the term glue guy a lot. You know, the guy who does, you know, the guy who isn't the guy, but he kind of still like, you know, he, he produces at a high level and binds the team together. And Quadrado is absolutely that right now for Juventus. I mean, just look at the Benevento game. He was out suspended for yellow cards and the team had nothing without him there. If if I had to put money on it, I'd probably assume that he's going to be at least on the team next year. But yeah, the life after life after Juan is going to be sooner rather than later. And at that point, you have to, you know, figure out who that next guy is going to be. And I'll just add one thing that I think he's an example of a player who has just excellently rediscovered his himself as he aged or reinvented himself I should say reinvented himself as he aged because obviously he started as a right winger all the way up front and then slowly edged back you know right midfield right wing back right back and I think yeah I think that's just an example of an extremely mature and just intelligent player really Um, because you think of the likes of other players have done that you know uh, Ryan Giggs did that Wayne Rooney did that. Uh, Philip Lam did that sort of as well. Um, as they aged, uh, they just kind of, you know, their body, I mean, in their cases, their bodies just kind of, you know, obviously as it happens, their their bodies just kind of weren't 
able to handle the requirements in, in case of gigs and Rooney weren't able to handle, handle the requirements of their original positions. So they had to, you know, re reinvent themselves and say, okay, how, in what position can I play that now suits my skills and is, and I'm still able to physically handle. So, you know, credit to Juan for that. I mean, that's really, really impressive to do that. Indeed it is. And on that note, we will wrap things up for this week's episode. Uh, as always, you can send us Twitter questions at Juventus Nation on the good old Twitter machine. You can follow us on there as well as Facebook. Search Black and White and Red All Over. If you want to follow us on any of your favorite podcast platforms, be it Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts, search Black and White and Red All Over. Uh, shout out to Juventus Women again. Drop nine on Bari. What Chucks. the heck? What did Pink Sport Bari do to them? Uh, they're like, not very, that they're was not, like, they're not very good. So, they're, no, they're not. But like, <laughs> they were at least holding it, and then they scored that one goal to make it three one, and it made it almost it was like, all right, now we're mad. Yeah, it's like the Marvin the Martian. You know, you've made me very, very mad. Yes, yes. Uh, shout out Cristiano Girelli hit the twenty goal mark with four, one, two, three, four goals against Body. So. Uh, she is off and running once again after a short injury absence. But with all that being said, hopefully we have some good news to talk about next week as Juventus returns to the field. So for Sam and for Chucks and for Sergio, this is Danny saying thank you all for listening once again. And we'll talk to you guys next week after the Turin Derby. Bye.